You're listening to A Journey in American English. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode. As always, if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, etc., please feel free to contact us at our Discord or send us an email, both of which will be in the description of this episode. Okay, so on to today's topic. Within the past decade or so, the conversation around cultural appropriation has become louder and louder and is more in the focus of the public conscience. First, what is cultural appropriation? Cultural appropriation can be defined as taking something from another culture, such as food, language, clothing, hairstyle, etc., and pretending like it is part of your own culture. This, of course, has become a problem in the past decade, especially within the context of the United States. That is why Chris and I have decided to talk about it. With that being said, we hope that you enjoyed this episode, and let's begin. Yeah, so, welcome back. <laughs> welcome back, everyone. So, how's the weather? Man, it's been nice and hot lately, and it's getting hotter. I love it. Yeah, yeah, we always start with the weather, but I think that's um, I think it's a universal topic that everyone can relate to. So. Yes, I don't know how we we settled into this routine, but uh, I don't hate it. I think it's a, it's a good icebreaker. <laughs> yeah, which which reminds me of a bad joke, but I already gave the ending away. But the but the joke is um, like how much does a polar bear weigh? How much does a polar bear weigh? Yeah, and then the response is enough to break the ice. <laughs> 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 it's a really bad joke. Um, but, but I like it. I love bad jokes. Um, or I wouldn't say it's bad. I would say it's cheap. But yeah, the weather's good here. Um, it's really cold right now because it's been raining for about two days. But we had a huge heat wave. So it was like up there in the 80s and 90s. What about it's, where you are? It's, it's coming to be our turn. We have uh, <clears throat> a 102 and a 104 Fahrenheit in the forecast for where I am. Mm. And I'm so excited. I'm going out of my way to go outside on those days. I love the heat. Yeah, so it's slowly starting to get worth it to go outside because uh, I just found out from my wife that they're opening up the gyms and you don't need like a test or anything to go to the gyms. So they used to make you have like a test or have to be vaccinated. So I'll probably go back to the gym in like a couple weeks. That'll be good. Yeah, I need, I need to start getting physical again. Um, yeah. I've gotten a little too cozy with my office job. I have a, I got a standing desk and I can't hold still. So I'm usually moving all over the place in my small little area while I'm working all day. But uh, lucky you. Um, yeah, I could use some exercise <laughs> on top of that. I bought like a miniature, well, not a miniature stand. I bought like a podium from Amazon so I can kind of work while I'm standing. But I think standing desks, desks are better. Um, sitting all the time. I don't know. I used to work in construction and you'd have to work in wind, rain, snow, come what may. And I was like, man, I wish I had an office job. That would be so nice. Like it'd be warm and cozy. You'd have coffee. And now that I have an office job, 
I'm like, man, <laughs> I wish I could work outside. It's, it's so boring <laughs> you know being up all day. <laughs> I, I have a gripe to air since you brought up offices and coffee. Mm. Our, our, uh, I, I can't remember what our title is, but we have someone in our office who's responsible for like coordinating a bunch of different things. And one of them is like getting food trucks to come to our office and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. So she organized a coffee truck that was going to be coming to our office Wednesday through Thursday every week. Mm. And I swear, they just show up whenever they feel like it. So at first, I wasn't <laughs> even looking on Monday and Tuesday. And then one day I went to lunch and I noticed they were there. I'm like, huh, I don't think anybody knows they're there. And they're probably like, well, nobody's coming. So we're not coming back. And they didn't come one day this week. They just kind of do whatever they feel like, which is which is great for when you're planning your day around buying that coffee. Yeah, food trucks are awesome. Um, that's not necessarily the topic of today, but I feel like food trucks are very American. I'm just gonna. Oh put yeah, that, we just, we we could we could definitely do an episode on that. That'd be great. Yeah, I'm just gonna put that out there because um, they're super popular here in Germany. the The idea of food trucks, not necessarily having them here. Um, I do know that some people have food trucks, but uh, you often see on the news, or not in the news, sorry, like on these reality TV shows about people who leave Germany to live abroad and a lot of them go to the U.S. and start like their own like food company and start like their own food trucks so but yeah um maybe maybe sometime we'll talk about food trucks those are really cool absolutely do you have any other grievances to air before we start (laughs) start with the topic only a million but (laughs) uh in the interest of time how about we move on to today's topic of cultural appropriation yeah, so cultural appropriation. So that's been somewhat of a, a buzzword, I would say, within the past 10 years. I think it's up there with like cancel culture um, and stuff like that. So how would you define it? So it, it's tricky. And the word has, or the term, I, I would say has negative connotations. Mm. But cultural appropriation would be in the, the barest sense, you you personally discover other culture has a certain way of doing things, a style or some technique that they use or anything like that. And you say, oh, that's great. I'm just going to take that and use it for myself. And a lot of people have a problem with that, especially since. So here's yeah. a good example. Yeah, yeah, go on. Native, Native Americans. Oh, yeah. yeah they really would is. have... Um, headdresses, feather headdresses. Mm. And people saw those and like, oh, those look cool. I'll wear, I'll make them myself. I'll wear them. And even if you made them exactly one-to-one the same, that would be a negative kind of cultural appropriation because you don't understand what that actually means. Like those, Mm. I can't remember the exact meaning behind them, but they're earned. You don't just make one wear one and oh are they okay i didn't know that you earned them but it is it is a it is a symbol of some sort of status beyond just being a leader i believe there is something to do to earn them Mm. i guess in this is not even close to the same level but it would be i guess if someone came from overseas and they saw a boy scout or an eagle scout (laughs) saw oh he has all these badges that's really cool. I'm just going to make the same badges and wear them all day, even though I didn't do a thing to earn them or I don't understand what they actually mean. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that definition. Um, so it's about appropriating things. Although, in all honesty, I don't know how often I really use the word appropriation or appropriate on its own. I don't know about you. 
Um, I, I I don't very often. Again, just even the word appropriate has some negative connotations to it. Yeah, it really does. So it's just, I don't think it's it's really that common word, but the phrase cultural appropriation, I believe is super common. Um, yeah, as you said, it's basically taking something from another culture and making it your own, so to speak, without showing where you got it from. You know, so it's it's not giving credit where credit is due, so, so to speak. Yes, and well, and not always, it's not always going to be something you could give credit on. Some, I mean, not everything needs something like that. Uh, for example, one of the biggest mm. issues of cultural appropriation, which I believe happened in the mid-2010s, there was a high school girl who wore a chi-pao to, and she was a white American girl who wore a chi-pao to her high school prom. Mm. And she posted pictures on Twitter and someone tweeted at her and I will quote my culture is not your goddamn prom dress end quote so it was a you know it was a it was a big controversy like do you have the right to wear the clothing of other cultures and then there was also the matter of I don't know if he was Asian American but he he was someone of Asian descent Mm. because I think the person who was angry continued to say you can't just do that oh no this was Excuse me, I'm mixing two stories. There was another instance of someone celebrating a Chinese or Lunar New Year. And someone had gotten upset saying, you can't just celebrate this holiday without permission from, you know, someone whose culture actually celebrates us, someone of Asian descent. <laughs> and someone in the comments is like, I give all people forever the right to celebrate, permission to celebrate Lunar New Year. Go ahead go nuts <laughs> yeah, I've, yeah i vaguely remember those incidents um i understand the sentiment because oftentimes it feels like um people are using other cultures as costumes that they kind of put on and take off and i can see that being disrespectful so the most common example is of course indians as you mentioned before that's prevalent through out like a lot of movies a lot of books um the what is what's the the football team the washington redskins they are um, now the washington football team oh yeah, yeah that's right and my football team the kansas city chiefs oh, which yeah. at least isn't a slur but you know i mean it's borderline <laughs> we'll put it, it yeah. that way well here here's what i'll say and this is something that likely i can't remember if they've made an official statement on it but it's likely to go away the iconic chief's uh, chant and motion. So I'll, I'll run you through the whole thing. At the start of the game, there is a yeah. very, very, very large war drum at the top of the stadium. And they usually have some special guests come in and beat the drum to like kick off the game and get everyone hyped up. Mm. That's that's kind of, I mean, it's cool. But again, like you're just taking like a big native war drum and using it for football. And then there's the chop, like a tomahawk chop. chop. So everyone in the audience, so you I'll have to verbally describe this. You would just put your your arm at a 90 degree angle to the side of you and you, you know, the whole audience would chop at once and uh, do a native sounding chant, which I'm sure is beyond butchered. Oh. And it's one of those things like it looks super fun 
I bet if you're there, it's like super high energy and great, but you are definitely not being respectful to the source. Yeah, that that's a good point. It's there. There's no respect. So in, in that sense, I think cultural appropriation is taking something from another culture without giving it respect or reverence or even knowing what it is. And that I think is the, the biggest problem. And like with the Kansas City Chiefs or Washington Redskins, um, that one has been the sticking point for, I would say, like 60 years. And now they people find... have been bothering the Washington. Oh, yeah. now they're the Washington football. <laughs> They've been bothering that team for, I think, 20, 30 years to change the name. And the owner absolutely refused. The only yeah. reason it finally did change is basically all of his sponsors left and yeah. said, we're not coming back until you change. Yeah, I mean, it, it's super racist. I mean, there's no other way to like to put it. Yeah. Um, the high school I went to, they they also had an Indian themed mascot, so the Warriors, and they were Warrior Indians. And I, I don't know, I don't know how the indigenous feel about that. Probably not happy. But it's, it's a mix. So I I used to work with a guy mm-hmm. in uh, a food service job, and he had i guess i'll just say it he had a tattoo on his leg his arm or his leg of the mascot for the washington redskins no way he was a fan (laughs) he was a fan so it's yeah okay it's complicated because plenty of native people were absolutely not okay with it Mm -hmm. but i also think they had a relatively high native fan base but it's it's one of those it's one of those tough things like you can't just yeah, that's true. You can't just say it's okay because some people are okay with it and some people aren't. Well, that I guess that's two. I guess there are two points to that. Um, th- there's this concept of like a token. I don't know if if you know that term, where you find someone from this group that kind of validates your opinions. So, for example, like for, kind of like a cheap example, if you call someone like a racist and they say like, well, I'm not a racist. I have a friend who's African-American. So because I have an African-American friend, I can't be racist. And like, go talk to him. He'll tell you. And so you're kind of using this person as like a, like a token to validate your position. They also do this with people who are maybe like not heterosexual. So they have a different sexuality um, to prove that, you know, I have nothing against people who are bi or trans or whatnot. So yes, yes. That, yeah. <laughs> I it, it's complicated because sometimes because mm. sometimes I think even if if a certain culture is portrayed at all in some form of media, mm-hmm. even if it's not necessarily the most respectful or most accurate, if it's a culture that doesn't see a lot of positive play, I, I think a lot of people are gonna get behind it anyway. They're like, oh, this is kind of a racist slur for a football team, but hey, like you know, I'm, I'm kind of getting some representation over here. I think that was a sentiment that was echoed by the first Mulan movie from the 90s, where it wasn't super popular in China, per se, because the movie was way too Western. Um, and it really wasn't, it didn't make a lot of money there. But in the West, so in like the US, Europe, whatnot, the movie was very popular. And it I guess kind of gave Chinese people more respect and kind of, you know, made it more mainstream, so to speak. Not, I mean, 
they had it before Mulan. I'm not saying like Mulan, you know, changed Chinese lives forever. That's absurd. Mulan put China on the map. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you have you also have other actors, you know, like Jackie Chan, for example, who who kind of helped, you know, make uh, Chinese culture more. I don't want to say palatable, but like brought it closer to home, so to speak. Even though it was a bit whitewashed, the Mulan movie, not Jackie Chan. Oh yeah, definitely. Mm. But, uh, but yeah, but getting back to like, um, I don't know if you had another point, but I guess we can wrap, kind of finish that one point about the woman wearing the dress. Oh yes. That so rem- I go on. I, I was gonna say I wouldn't call that cultural appropriation. It's just a type of dress, as far as I know. The Chi Pao isn't necessarily something like you have to earn or a high status symbol. As far as I know, mm. it's just a dress of Chinese origin. I'm, I'm going a bit out on a limb there, but that's as far as I know, that's what it is. Yeah. And if we're going to go as far as saying you can't wear things from different cultures, then oh, I don't know which culture first invented uh, pants or trousers, but are we going to go around the world and saying, no, you can't wear pants or trousers or, Hey, my culture invented the shirt. Why are you appropriating my culture? Like that's a real slippery slope. We're starting to go down. If you do that. That, I mean, that's true. That reminds me of, of a tweet that I saw a while back and it was about this one woman, or I guess at the time she was a girl, she was a teenager and she was in Kyoto wearing a kimono and she posted on Twitter. She was super happy. And then some Chinese guy, or not Chinese, sorry, <laughs> some Japanese guy commented and said, uh, you can't wear that. I'm so sick of Westerners like thinking the kimono is just like some fun dress. And she was actually half Japanese because, you know, um, on her mother's side. So she looked very Western, but her, her father was, was Japanese and her mother was American. And that's also kind of tricky. Like who's allowed to wear this? You know, if you don't look the part, can you wear it? Because there's this concept of passing. So, you know, someone might be Hispanic, like to like, to like move away from Asia real quick. Someone might be Hispanic, but they look very fair skinned. So they might, you might not even know that they're from like Puerto Rico or like uh, Mexico or something like that because they don't look the part. (laughs) It's very tricky, you know? Yes, I've heard uh, there have been cases of people who, you know, with mixed ancestry who Mm. kind of, you know, they hang out with kind of both groups that they trace their ancestry back to, but they definitely kind of feel a bit as an outsider on both counts. They, They notice they get treated just a little bit differently. Yeah, that and that's a huge problem for people who come from a multicultural background. And I know definitely here from Germany, for example, uh, there are a lot of Turkish people here. They've been here since the end of World War II, more or less. And a lot of these Turkish kids, they grew up in Germany. They but they speak Turkish, but they speak it with an accent. They speak it with a German accent because um, they learned Turkish here. And they have the problem of not being accepted by Germans because, well, not always, but there, there's a culture clash. Um, just in the sense that you, you don't always say like Americans, you see like Asian Americans or African Americans or uh, German Americans, they qualify it. So, you know, they're 
they're they're Turk Germans in that sense. And so in Germany, they kind of get, you know, they're at odds with the current culture. And when they go to Turkey, uh, they also get problems because there, they're often seen as not being really Turkish. They're kind of Germanized Turkish. So no matter where they go, you know, they're, they're never at home. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that kind of happens in the U.S. too with like Hispanics if they don't look the part. And it is definitely tricky. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. On my part, though, I've noticed. Uh, let me word this better in my head. So I speak working in transportation. I work with a lot of people of different uh, mm. racial and ethnic backgrounds, and oftentimes, long haul truck drivers don't really speak English at all, or they have very poor English because they're immigrants, and oh, it's wow. a very high paying job, especially right now. So a lot of times their dispatcher is usually the one of the company who speaks the best English, or at least they have the best English and are able to speak the other language that most of the drivers do. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's really rough and the dispatcher doesn't speak very good English and I have a hard time, but sometimes it sounds like they have perfect, flawless, unaccented English. And then I'll hear them like turn the phone away and they'll go yell at somebody in Russian or <laughs> Spanish and it sounds and they're going real fast. It sounds perfectly fluent to me. So I think a lot of times those people end up in, you know, in certain circumstances, they can end up in pretty desirable situations where they're able to, you know, help tie those two groups together. Yeah. Like, like being like a mediator. Basically. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that that's uh, that's definitely true. Um, a lot of these jobs, like whether it's in like the restaurant industry or whether it's in like um, construction or as you said, like in the trucker industry, a lot of those jobs are um, taken by people who may not speak the best English or have like a some kind of background from a different culture. So that's that's pretty common. I mean, even here too, <laughs> I think it's universal. I just think it's it's super interesting. Part of me has always been kind of jealous of people with backgrounds like that. For example, mm. I work with somebody who um, I believe she's a first generation Mexican-American. She was born here, but her family's from Mexico. Mm. So she speaks fluent Spanish. It, it's American accented for sure, but she's fluent. So whenever we really need help with Spanish at work, she helps us out. But I, I, I've been kind of jealous of that. Like, oh, you just grew up speaking two languages. That sounds super cool. I would love that. It's never too late to learn. <laughs> it's not. It's not. It, it gets harder, but it's never too late. I don't know if it gets harder. Um, I guess like to, for like a small excursion, uh, like a small side note, basically. Like you have people who grew up bilingual and I guess, you know, it's a, they get it at birth, basically. Whereas you have this notion of learning a language as you get older is harder, but I would say it's actually easier for the simple fact that you can learn it much faster than a child. Um, I think the only reason why it gets harder is because you have less time. You know, it's not like the kid is sitting there uh, studying like grammar and vocabulary the whole day, you know, they're just getting it naturally. Whereas you have to like work for it <laughs> when you get older. 
but if you're if you're smart about it you can reach a very high level within a short amount of time but that that's just a small side note <laughs> uh, yes. we, can, we can touch as, as much as i want to as much as i want to say something about that we're gonna, we're gonna have time for that later <laughs> um <laughs> There, there was also something I wanted to talk about yeah, in regards sure, to cultural shoot. appropriation because mm-hmm. it wouldn't be a podcast with me if I didn't bring it up. Yeah. Uh, food. Oh, food. Oh, food yeah. Food is huge. So all the different levels we can go to. One, The one I keep thinking of, I can't remember where he was talking about this, but someone asked Gordon Ramsay, how do you feel about people taking i think i believe it was specifically about traditional japanese food but it could apply to anything Mm. how do you feel about people taking these you know traditional very old you know old very mapped out and settled dishes and people just going crazy and changing them he's like oh i think that's super disrespectful you gotta you know stick to what this is and how it's done and personally i really agree with that mm-hmm. no no disagree excuse me okay okay, okay. i highly disagree with that because that's how we get new things we take bits and pieces of things we already know and we combine them in new ways and if everyone just made food the same way they always did uh i think we'd all just be eating porridge and <laughs> meat over a fire uh i okay so uh, i guess i have a couple of thoughts on that the first is I don't see the harm in changing up food. I mean, people do it within their own culture anyway. You know, like there are different variations of dishes as time goes on. And oftentimes dishes are very hard to make because you don't have the ingredients anymore. So, or like a lot of it has cultural history. So for those who don't know in the US, you have like this concept of soul food, which is food that is largely um, consumed by African-Americans in the South. And a lot of that traces its history back to like the slave trade and how the slaves didn't have like a lot of food so they had to be creative and that's just kind of evolved to influence other foods that we have in the u.s so i don't see the harm in changing up food per se what i do have a problem with is something like chinese food in the u.s or like taco bell where they yeah Yeah, you know where i'm going with this where they where they try to pass this off as being authentic or like Olive Garden, like it's I mean it might be good food, quote unquote, but it's not authentic food, and it's they're selling you something you know false in that sense, and I have a problem with that, um, because it's basically lying. Like it's not it's not Chinese food, it's Chinese food in the sense that a Chinese person made it, but that doesn't make it Chinese. You know yes, what I mean? <laughs> it's a Chinese person making food for Americans. Exactly. I, I will say all of those things, they have their place. I, I'm I'm glad they exist, though also, they have roots of pro- like for the longest time, and I I'm sure most a good amount of Americans still believe this. American Chinese food, as far as I know, is just Chinese food. Full full stop. That is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely. then as far as Mexican food goes the there's there are so many things we've been told that are just are not true for example uh Mexicans use use corn tortillas yeah that there is no there is no flour tortillas and there's no such thing as a hard shell taco as far as I know that's that's a completely American invention oh I love those every (laughs) every everything is a soft corn tortilla 
I, I can't remember the the term, but you make like a a mash mm. or or something with with the cornmeal and all those things, and you mm. turn those into tortillas. I can I want to say masas, but I'm like ninety percent sure that's wrong. But that's the word on the tip of my tongue. We'll check it later. But uh, I know like I, I was watching a documentary on food trucks where it was some LA food truck and they had, they had that stuff next to them. And they were, you know, as they were working, they were making tortillas mm. and, like in a more authentic sense. Although a lot of those food trucks are fusion and arguably appropriating other cultures, although they're kind of, it's more of a respectful fusion, I would say. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, food is a, is a huge part. Um, I don't know. Do you have any other points about food that you wanted to touch on? Um, yes. Okay, shoot. Flaming, flaming hot uh, <laughs> Cheetos sushi exists. Where? <laughs> that sounds- I'm, not, I'm not saying some random small sushi shop did this. I'm saying the in grocery store and in some gas station little mm-hmm. places where they just have pre-made sushi kits that the workers churn out all day there is an official flaming hot cheetos sushi kit so i found it and that sounds incredibly wrong yes it does uh it doesn't sound appetizing no it does not (laughs) no it does not uh i I don't know if i yeah i'll say that's i don't know if i could say that's full-blown cultural appropriation but it's definitely not treating that sushi with respect no it it really i mean I think any I think everyone knows where sushi comes from, but I think there's a there's a point where like it becomes a mockery uh, of like the culture, and I would say that's kind of borderline. Yeah, or I mean, it, at the end of the day, if if it's if it's good food and it's not absolutely abysmal for you, and it tastes good, I, I welcome all new innovations. I try yeah. not to get too respectful of food culture. Because when you get too respectful, then you're afraid to change things. Well, that's true. Um, but I guess it's a question of who's allowed to change it and, and yeah. to what extent. Um, I, I, would, I would be of the opinion anyone can change anything. Mm. Because the traditional, the traditional completely laid out and historical version of all those dishes, they're still exi- they, they'll still be around. Mm, yeah, people can still have those we're not taking those away from anyone <laughs> that that's true um but i don't i mean americans are very creative i would say americans in the sense of the u.s i try to avoid just saying americans we can't stop ourselves sometimes yeah but they're um well we're very creative um but a lot of the food that comes out of like these creations they always seem so incredibly like how to like unhealthy you know, and like flaming hot sushi. I don't know how yes. I feel about that. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that <laughs> in all honesty. Well, historically, I believe the origin of a lot of, for example, you already brought up soul food yeah. and we've talked about Creole and Cajun food. Yeah. A lot of these foods are pretty high calorie, but you have to think the origin of these cuisines are from less than wealthy groups. Mm. Yeah. That's so true. it, you know, first of all, our serving sizes are probably much higher than they were back then. Second of all, they needed to pack as much caloric nutrition as they could into those because they probably needed every bit of it. 
nowadays most of us do not mm, yeah that's true yeah uh that's that's another problem with american food is it that there's a lot of calories a lot of sugar a lot of fat the portion sizes are uh, like just astronomical yes um, and we put sugar and high fructose corn syrup into our bread <laughs> and sugar isn't a very is a very addictive substance and it's insidious and mm. once you start eating processed sugar I, I know because I came off my, I don't like to say this because I try not to think of diet as like a thing you're on more like as mm. I'm on a healthier lifestyle in general, but I started being lazier with what I was eating and I was having some more processed sugar again. Yeah. And that addiction set back in and I'm like, oh my God, now you just have to stop having it for like a month and then you stop wanting it, but it's, it's rough at first. And it's in so many, if anything they can get away with putting it in here, they will, because even if you just start craving it, it's it's like they're lacing our food with drugs here <laughs> yeah yeah definitely definitely but we don't have like a whole bunch of time left i don't know if there's like another point you want to touch on food or um no wanna... no please oh, okay uh, so i was gonna i was gonna interject and see how you felt about hair because that's often seen as cultural appropriation so to take from a recent article um justin bieber had dreadlocks or uh, i don't know exactly what you call it but he basically took a hairstyle that was from the african-american community and he posted it on what was it twitter or instagram or i don't know or snapchat or something like that and people just lost their mind because apparently this was the second time you know of him having like dreadlocks and adele so the singer from uh, england Mm-hmm. who's very famous for her song hello <laughs> she also did kind of like dreadlocks and she wore a bikini uh like a, a jamaican flag themed bikini and people are like that's racist that's cultural appropriation you can't do that and that's kind of you know been on the public conscience i would say for the past 10 15 years like you can't wear that kind of hair if you're not from this culture i don't know if you've observed that too I mean, I've definitely seen it. It's it's hard for me to have an educated opinion on it. Again, being from Montana, the ethnic diversity here is sparse. Oh, okay. I didn't know and that. <laughs> yes. Uh, so honestly, I, I, I haven't seen it too much in person, and I definitely haven't spoken with very many African-American people about it. And I, I don't mm. really know what their opinion is on it. I don't. In the history of dreadlocks and hairstyles like that, I don't, I don't really know if there's a significance to. I I want to say there is a cultural significance to it that I just cannot remember right now. But and and it all comes down to you know is that person being respectful? Do they really know where it comes from? And yeah, you know, I, I yeah, would but- probably lean towards probably not okay in this instance. Just kind of as a guest but i Mm. i i don't i really don't know it's it's tricky and it's not something i know a lot about yeah definitely i wouldn't profess to know much more about that either um i think if you if you can if you can talk the talk walk the walk if i'm allowed to use a very old expression (laughs) then i think to a certain extent it's not cultural appropriation especially if you like if you live the cultural lifestyle you know, if you think mm. example about like, let's say 
and it's a very generic term, so forgive me, but if you think about like a white people or a white person who grows up around black people, I would say that that white person more or less has the right to, you know, uh, say certain things or wear certain things because that that's their culture because they yeah. grew up in that. And just because they have a different skin color, I would say doesn't prevent them from expressing the culture they grew up with. But right. it's your microculture. If you if you're yeah, exactly. grow up in a predominantly, you know, white, black, Asian, or what whatever happens to be the area you're growing up in, you're gonna pick up traits from that. You're not it's not a choice you're gonna make. That's just the environment you grew up in. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I don't think that culture it, culture isn't something you're born with. It's something that you learn. And if you grow up with this culture, then you're just as, in my opinion, part of this group as someone who comes from this heritage you know so if you if you're born to two american parents but you grow up in japan for let's say 25 years and then you go back to the u.s i would say you're culturally more japanese than you are american so uh, maybe the japanese would have a different opinion on that but like for me personally speaking that's how that's how i view it yes absolutely unless unless they happen to i don't know be a base kid so they're probably spending a lot of time around other Americans, and but even then, if you're spending 25 years in Japan, yeah, <laughs> you're at the very best. At the very best, you're gonna have a very mixed uh, cultural upbringing. Yeah, so I, I don't guess, know. Why I say best. It's not a bad yeah. or good thing. It's just gonna be, you know, different. So I got. I guess I got one point left on that, and then I'll pass the ball back to you. So okay. Uh, so I went to a Spanish class about two two-ish years ago, and the the teacher asked us to say where we're from. And what most people were from Germany, obviously. Um, one person was from Italy, people from Turkey. And then one guy said he was from, from the US. And I was like, oh, great. Like, yeah, I can talk to another American. And at, when we had break, I asked him, well, where are you from? Like from the US. And he's like, yeah, I'm from California. And I, his English was very good. Like, like almost native-like. But I noticed that it was somewhat off. Like there was something not correct about it. And then as I got to know him more, I realized that he spent the majority of his life in Germany. So his parents um, were more or less American. They spoke English to him. But culturally speaking, it was really hard to talk to him about the U.S. Like he didn't like know any of like the shows, really. He didn't know like what the high school was like, what middle school was like, like all these things that make people American. He didn't have. So we were speaking the same language. But culturally, we were completely different. So he was culturally speaking German, but on paper, he was American. And it was just an odd experience. And then I asked myself, am I allowed to say he's not American? <laughs> because, <laughs> because he didn't grow up in the US. He doesn't really know the culture. But on paper, he's just as American as I am. And, and that's, that's kind of a tricky situation. So It is tricky, though. That those kind of cases are things I find super interesting. I love hearing about people with super unique backgrounds and just you know how many people are there like that? Yeah, with that exact yeah. story. So few, and when you get a chance to meet people like that, it's really interesting. De definitely, they're very interesting people, and they give you very interesting perspectives, and they really make you think what it means to be X. What it, does it mean to be Canadian, Mexican, Japanese? It, it really makes you think what belongs to my culture. But anyway, uh, is there another point you wanted to talk about before? Because uh, we still have some time left. <laughs> well, 
I believe I've hit every point I have. What, do you have anything left? No, um, that was pretty much it. So maybe we might end today's episode a little bit early then because uh, last time we kind of went over that. Balance was... the scales a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so that was pretty much cultural appropriation within the US. Uh, definitely a very complicated topic. But thanks so much for listening. Uh, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, it's really hard to keep these kind of topics civil <laughs> because they're very sensitive. Yes, you have to. Uh, I, I definitely was making conscious efforts to measure my words before they left my mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I guess that's one last point we can talk about before actually we end. So, like, <laughs> it's it's a topic that's very tricky to to deal with. I feel like you have to, you know, touch it with while you're wearing like these these. Uh, you know, when people take things out of like a glass box and they wear these white gloves um <laughs> right that, it has to be handled with care yeah that's how i kind of feel about uh, these kind of topics with cultural appropriation cancel culture um talking about who belongs to what group um in english we have the, this expression of walking on eggshells which basically means uh you, you tread lightly be very careful Watch what you say um, so that you don't, you know, hurt or insult someone. And that's really how I feel, you know, this topic is. So hopefully uh, everyone walks away with a better understanding and knowing that we mean no harm and, you know, just trying to provide an interesting topic. <laughs> yes, especially me, this this ignorant this ignorant man in <laughs> northern in, in northern U.S. and Montana surrounded by 95% white people. Yeah, but uh, but I think we did a good job. At any rate, uh, if you don't have anything else to say, then I'm done f uh, for this episode too. Thanks so well, much. I believe I'm good. Thank you, everyone. Yeah, thanks so much for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>